Welcome. Church of the Advent is an Anglican congregation in Denver, Colorado, that seeks to share in the life of God by redefining and reorienting everything around the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope you are challenged, encouraged, and move closer toward the gospel by this week's message. So Lisa and Craig, the scriptures, along with our ordinal, call deacons to be humble, modest, constant, reputable, respectable, full of the Spirit, sound in faith. But there's more. Deacons are called to be wise and sincere and self-controlled and honest, tested, temperate, and trustworthy. In a moment, the bishop will examine you and he'll ask you, will you take up this charge gladly and willingly? And he'll ask, will you diligently frame and fashion your life and your family on Christ and be a wholesome example and pattern to this flock? And then he'll ask you, will you share in the humility and service of our Lord Jesus Christ for the strengthening of his church? And that will be your last chance to run for the exit. (laughs) Because, sister and brother, this is not a promotion. To share in the humility and service of Christ is to choose the cross with Christ. And these are the key words, with him. And so you will respond to the bishop's examination with words that you must always cherish. I will, you'll say, the Lord being my helper. Cherish those words. You're called to be humble, but sometimes pride will flare. You're called to be wise, but sometimes your wisdom will be found lacking. And all who have gone before you into this ministry, who've taken these vows, know this to be true. Sometimes your sin is going to sneak in. Sometimes your ministry is going to weigh heavy on you. Some days or seasons, they're going to be really sunny and really sweet. Other days may feel like you're just treading water. Waves keep coming, undone to-do lists, and laundry, and children with fevers, and injustice, and tragedy, and pastoral or personal crisis. And maybe there'll be moments where you'll even wonder, can I do this? And you cannot, at least not by yourself. I will, you'll say, the Lord being my helper. The calling to this office does not mean you are perfect, or sinless, or super spiritual, or smarter than everybody else. It means you are committed in your heart of hearts to walk with Christ through it all. In season and out, I exhort you to daily return to these treasured words, the Lord being my helper. Because all the virtues, all the fruits of the Spirit, all the health and life and light to be found in you or I or any of us flows from one fountainhead, the sacred head of Christ, which was anointed with his his own blood lovingly shed for you and me. So in this ministry, your first duty and joy is simply to devote yourself to loving Christ, who has first lovingly devoted himself to you. In this sense, your call is to be like this woman that we just read about in Matthew 26. Her loving devotion to Christ. Can you picture it? This woman who anoints the sacred head of Jesus with her precious perfume. Did you notice that Matthew leaves her unnamed? This suggests, at least, that her eternal legacy is not personal or ministry success. It's not, it's not a brand or a book deal or social media presence or not even a practically effective ministry or a growing church. The eternal legacy of this anonymous woman is the depth of her devotion. It's her deep desire to love Jesus that is then enacted in costly service. So imagine the scene. 
If I were to take some creative license with it, if I were asked, for example, to direct the, this, the scene in The Chosen in season four, <laughs> here's how I'd do it. I would, have, I would have the woman's entrance kind of startle the buzzing room to a quiet murmur. And as she lowers herself to the floor, she removes this expensive, this ornate alabaster jar. It's sealed, of course, to preserve the precious ointment within, so it will have to be broken in order to be given. She holds it for a moment, aware that it is not just ointment, but it's her safety net. It's over a year's wages in her hands. And in some sense, it represents maybe the only vestiges of, of wealth and standing she has in the world. It's, it's her livelihood. It's her heart. Jesus nods in understanding. It's like only she and him are in on the secret. And then with the, the cracking of the alabaster, the murmur softens to a still and naked silence. I imagine just a, a candle's gentle flicker is the only movement in the room. And then this sweet wooden smell lightens the air. She'd been practicing this for months, and now she summons the courage to open her lips and to sing. The words of Psalm 63. They weave through the smell and the silence as she anoints the sacred head of Christ. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. And then the disciples' indignance ruins the moment. <laughs> Why this waste, they ask. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given away to the poor. Now, they're not wrong, of course, insofar as it's good and right to care for the poor. But there's just a, a pragmatic worldliness to their thinking, isn't there? This was indeed a doubly precious offering. It's an impractical offering. Was this really the best use of resources? And the disciples' objection meets a rebuke from Jesus who says to them, why do you trouble this woman? She has performed a beautiful service to me. For the poor you will always have with you. You will not always have me. And then he says, by pouring this ointment on my body, she has prepared me for burial. Now as deacons, you will, of course, care for the poor. You'll serve the poor in body and in soul. This is near and dear to the heart of God. Not to neglect, not to the neglect of that faithful service, but spiritually prior to this practical concern is the priority of your ministry. Your first and most important call is to devote yourself to loving Christ. This is first. Everything else follows. Your ministry must be marked by a desire and a devotion to him, though it costs you much, like it did this woman. Now, not only did it cost her financially, Think about it. Her actions were also met with opposition. They seemed wasteful. They seemed impractical and fruitless. But she knew what we must know, that sincere devotion to Jesus is never wasteful. It's never fruitless. Devotion to Jesus cost her, and it will cost you. This calling you are saying yes to, again, not a promotion. Ministry is a crucible. I want you to consider the story of Charles Simeon. Simeon was first converted in his first year of Cambridge University, all the students there were required to take communion three times a year, and so he took this very seriously, and he started preparing for his first communion, and it awakened in him a very strong sense of his own sin and of his own guilt. Well, his first communion came and went, but he continued to feel a deep sense of shame. And so he wrote, I was so greatly oppressed with the weight of my sins, I frequently looked upon the dogs with envy. He's weighed down by his sin. 
But during Holy Week, Simeon was reading a book that spoke of the Jewish Day of Atonement. Some of you know. This is a sacrifice whereby the sins of the people were laid upon the head of a goat. And so this is in Leviticus 16. Aaron is to lay both his hands on the head of the goat. Then he's to confess all the sins and iniquities of Israel and transgressions before sending it away into the wilderness, bearing the sins of the people away, never to return. So Simeon is reading about this experience, and he experiences a revelation. He says this, What? May I transfer all my guilt to another? From that moment on, I sought to lay my sins on the sacred head of Jesus. And on that Easter Sunday, April 4, 1779, I awoke early with these words upon my heart and lips, Jesus Christ is risen today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And from that hour, he says, peace flowed in rich abundance into my soul. And at the Lord's table, I had the sweetness of access to God through my blessed Savior. Can you read between the lines of, of what Simeon's writing? If he could have given that jar, he could have given a jar full of precious perfume to anoint that sacred head that bore away his sins. You know, Simeon's ministry would go on to be marked by costly devotion and a desire for Jesus. As a deacon, he was appointed curate in charge at Trinity Church in Cambridge, big, fancy church, but the congregation rejected him. They wanted a different pastor. So he faced immediate opposition, and his parishioners locked him out of church, and they locked the pews, and so if you wanted to come here and preach, you had to stand in the aisles or sit down. Eventually, I mean, people were throwing things at him in the streets. He was walking on campus alone everywhere he went, maligned, ostracized, insulted, not for days, not for weeks, not for months, but for decades upon decades. Yet he endured, and over the course of his 54-year ministry, he gradually won his parishioners over, his students with, with faithful biblical preaching. And now he's remembered as one of the most influential and fruit-bearing pastors of that century. And he was asked one afternoon by a friend how it was that he endured such difficulties. How did he endure it all over 50 years? And he said this to his friend. He said, my dear brother, we must not mind a little suffering for Christ's sake. When I'm getting through a hedge, if my head and shoulders are safely through, I can bear the prickling of my legs. So he says, let us rejoice and remember that our holy head... Christ has overcome all his suffering and triumphed over death. Let us follow him patiently. We shall soon be partakers of his victory. So amidst the daily deluge of, of news stories about, about failed pastors and churches, and how is it that you and I and any other minister can remain faithful? Look, look at Charles Simeon's story. Look at this woman's devotion. Look at them both. They're examples to us. They show us that truly faithful, fruitful, enduring ministry has at its heart, I think, two basic movements. First, to delight in Christ, his gospel, his grace. You know, whether the woman knew it or not, she prepared Jesus for, bur for burial. Her devotion was a response to something, I think, deep within that grasped the, the precious grace of Christ, the sacredness of that head. And likewise with Simeon, his devotion, forever marked by his epiphany, my sins were laid on the head of Jesus and like a scapegoat, just carried away. And then soon after these events in Matthew, the perfume would now be traded for a crown of thorns. That sacred head now wounded, as the old hymn goes, with grief and shame weighed down. Your grief, your shame, Lisa, your sins, Craig, your inadequacy to be the perfect deacon. Craig and Lisa, consider it the first order of your call to delight in Christ, his gospel, and his grace. And second, respond in humble devotion and in costly devotion. Simeon went on to say that the three lessons which a minister has to learn are humility, first, and second, humility, and third, humility. <laughs> he said you must grow downwards in humility to soar heavenward. 
This woman, she was so fixated on, a, on adoring Christ. She wasn't fixated on being more humble. She had the expulsive power of a greater af- affection, you might say. She was so fixated on adoring Christ that all other considerations faded. Reputation, income, practicality. She was humble not because she thought less of herself, but because she thought less about herself. She was too busy adoring Christ. So dear friends, when you answer in a little bit, I will, the Lord being my helper, know what you are and what you are not saying. You're not saying, I will because I'm really good at this church stuff, or I'm just smart enough and I'm capable enough and I can do it. You are saying, I will, the Lord being my helper because you cannot do it without him. Because ultimately it is Jesus who is humble and modest and constant and reputable and respectable and full of the Spirit and sound in faith. It's Jesus who is wise and sincere and self-controlled and honest and tested and temperate and trustworthy. And when you are not, remember that Jesus bore your sin and failure on his brow and he carried them away forever. And so anoint him, adore him, worship him, desire him, devote yourself to him. The rest will come with time. May your ministry be marked by this woman's humble and costly devotion to Jesus. And if it is, your ministry will, like hers, like Simeon's, it will endure. It may not always look practical. It may not always make worldly sense. It may meet opposition and judgment. It will be costly. So costly that you can't do it alone, but you don't have to. He has been, is, and will be your helper. His head, so to speak, is through the hedge. His commitment to you is sealed in blood. It endures even now as he intercedes for you on high. So come what may, let the depth of love for you sustain and animate your devotion to him. Walk with him humbly and in costly devotion. In the end, then, you will have the ultimate consolation, Jesus' words for you. You have done a beautiful thing for me. And I pray that's the legacy of your ministry. Father, I pray that I and Lisa and Craig and all the other clergy and every person in this room would have a deep apprehension of the goodness of your grace. That we would know that as devoted as we want to be to you, you are so much more devoted to us. We thank you, Father, for your love, for your kindness. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We encourage you to take a moment to reflect on what God might be saying to you through what you just heard. For questions, additional information, and resources, please visit adventdenver.com.